What is up, everyone? Mitch Harper with you. BYU takes down Sam Houston 14-0. Trying out a new thing this season to help my workflows so I'm not staying at the stadium too long. I, I was still there, one of the final people at Lavelle Edwards Stadium to close it out. But as I drive home, back to my house in Murray, Utah... I'm going to talk and record a podcast on the go. So some of the stats are maybe a number or two off. Just understand I'm driving as I talk. Hands free. I'm, I'm, I got a wireless mic. I'm, I got my hands on the steering wheel. So for those of you thinking I'm not being safe, it's, it's a safe deal here. It's also for my sake to keep me awake because it's a little bit past two in the morning as I record this on Sunday morning. By the way, BYU breakdown and Big 12 breakdown on KSL News Radio at 10 a.m. on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone with first and 12, the debut edition, myself and Alex Keery. So stay tuned for that. BYU beat Sam Houston 14 to 0. And what a weird game, right? That was just such a strange, unusual game. Sam Houston was a team that there was a lot of respect. If you listen to Cougar Sports Saturday and Cougar Tracks this week, there was the notion of potential fear about Sam Houston causing some headaches for the BYU offense. But to that degree, no one saw that coming. The good news, no one expected a shutout, but I did expect BYU's defense to play well, and they were better than well. They were outstanding tonight. The first shutout BYU had since 2014 against Savannah State, first FBS shutout since 2012, that was against Hawaii. Sam Houston's not a great offense. Keegan Shoemaker... The fact that he stayed in the whole time. I know Casey Keeler said they kind of wanted to roll with one guy if they chose the quarterback. But Grant Gunnell might be terrible if if Keegan Shoemaker couldn't get benched. I mean, there was no threat through the air. They had a few first down conversions on third down and moments. But there there was never a real threat other than the third quarter drive. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But BYU's defense, what a debut for Jay Hill to come out like that. I know there's a lot of new personnel, but the aggressive style, the third and longs where you know it's a pass play, BYU brought the heat. The things Cougar fans wanted to see from BYU's defense, Jay Hill showed you that in week one. Great start for the Cougar defense. Jacob Robinson, two interceptions. Eddie Heckard got one. Malik Moore should have had one. Maybe he should have let Jacob Robinson go up and get it to get the hat trick. But still, BYU's defense was doing a very good job. And as Jacob Robinson laid out in the postgame, the most prepared they've probably been during his time on the defensive side. They were dialed in. He noted in the postgame that On one of his picks, the play that they ran, they saw it on film. They knew it was coming. They were well-prepared. They scouted. They knew what was coming from Sam Sam Houston. 
That's a credit to Jay Hill. That's a credit to the players buying into the scout and then executing it on the field. The same can't be said for the offense. Such a head-scratching performance. Now, again, Sam Houston, Meatball Smith was legit. I talked about him in Cougar Sports Saturday extensively. He was good. He lived up to the hype. There were moments where he was blowing up Paul Miley. The one-handed bull rush that he had at Paul, that was not not good. That was not a highlight for BYU there. The whole offensive line, I thought, struggled tonight. From Kingsley on down, the whole O-line had head-scratching penalties. They didn't you know, have the push, have the, the lanes open for BYU's running backs. But one guy in the running back room made it work regardless. That was L.J. Martin. L.J. Martin, 16 carries, 91 yards. L.J. was fantastic. And going into fall camp, I think back to what I said on Cougar Tracks, and I said that I would not be surprised if he's the number two running back. He's just that good. And keep in mind, this was not a spring football newcomer. This was not a freshman that joined in January. He joined in late May, June. He's been on campus for about three months, and he's doing that in his first college football game. Impressive performance from L.J. Martin. He's not anything necessarily flashy, but he is just efficient. He is, he's got incredible patience, and he's just got incredible feel and skill, and he is going to be flashy and have those big plays in the future. He popped off a big one on the ground in the, in the fourth quarter. I believe it was a 21-yarder. LJ is the real deal. Is he the starter going forward? He might be. I think you don't shelve Aiden Robbins. I don't think you give him up. Aiden Robbins is still going to be very good. Five carries on the night. I think they should have worked him a lot more in the first half. I didn't like some of the personnel decisions in that first half and some of the decision-making to kind of force the passing game. Go to the run. I know know the offensive line was struggling, but don't just abandon that. Make sure to keep working that and, and not give up on it because it felt like at times... BYU was kind of one-dimensional, and it caused them being stuck in the mud. For a lot of that second quarter, that was just ineptitude. And then the third quarter was nothing better. How BYU opened that third quarter was just downright disastrous. You go out of the halftime break, and you're thinking, okay, halftime adjustments, they're going to get things fixed, play a little bit better, and start to pull away. You burn a timeout before a play is ran to open the third, killed any sort of hope that adjustments were made and something was going to change on the offensive end. That opening drive was a disaster. And then you go for the fake punt, who Kalani Sataki in the postgame took accountability for that. He did not blame Ryan Rico. He said it was his call. Cannot do that. It's fourth and six. I get it maybe if it's fourth and two. Fourth and one. But fourth and six, you cannot do that. You can't. And Rico's shown the ability in the past to go pick those up. I think it was a couple years ago where he ran on his own in 2020. They were up big. 
But he's got the athleticism to go get those six yards, but not the right move making that happen in that decision. That puts Sam Houston in their one drive where they were threatening. Jacob Robinson comes up with the big interception and and derails any hope of Sam Houston scoring. Sam Houston also had that blocked field goal attempt by BYU on a fourth and six, but that was clearly an offside. I was I was wondering, where's the yellow flag? Where is it? Because I couldn't see it on the field there for a bit. I mean, that was a clearly an offsides, and of course it, it got called, negated a touchdown for Sam Houston, but in the moment, I thought, man, they didn't call that? That was a blatant offsides penalty. Weird game. BYU paid Sam Houston $1.2 million to leave with only a 14-0 loss. It was interesting, in the summertime, the line, if you're into that sort of thing, was 24 points. It kept fading and fading. It got down, I believe, to 18 and a half at kickoff. BYU, in games where they are favored by 20 or more in the opening line, about 42 and 47 and 1 since 1980 against the spread. They are not good at covering when they are favored big. I mean, big spreads are hard to cover in week one, period. They just are. Because there's so many unknowns, there's so many new faces. But again, the way that BYU's game played out was just unexpected. And you wonder now going forward, how much concern is there for the offense? Who do you place to blame? Is it Keaton Slovis? I don't think I blame Keaton Slovis. I don't think I blame the personnel. I think I look more to the coaching here on this one. There was a, a moment, I believe it was in the second quarter, maybe the third, I, I forgive me, again, I'm driving. But it was a, you know, a lot of dink and dunk by BYU in the passing game. Not many shots downfield. It was a third and five, and then they take a shot downfield. Third and five, dink and dunk with Isaac Rex, that's probably moving the chains. Why do you go away from that in that short yarded spot? There was just those little moments where you got to go, this got to get fine-tuned. And it, it wasn't the best display to kick off the Big 12 era, which at the end of the night felt like that was a forgotten story. Kind of weird. That'll change when you actually get into Big 12 play. In some weird fashion, I think it felt a little bit like independence where you play a random team, it didn't feel real yet. I thought it would feel a little more real that they're in the Big 12, just lining it up, but it, it didn't. It, it felt still kind of like an independent game where you're playing this random team and don't know much about them, at least for the fans. I, I, I did my research on Sam Houston. They're a good football team. Not good offensively. I think they're going to be pretty bad offensively this year. But defensively, would not be surprised if that's the best defense in Conference USA. They're legit. And I would not be surprised if they're a lot of stats, maybe top 25 nationally in some defensive metrics. Competition's not great in that Conference USA, but still, uh, they don't have recruiting rankings that 
are elite by any stretch, and they've got some athletes. So credit to them. And But BYU should have been a lot better than they were. And I think just the coaching decisions got to get better. And also Keenan Slovis has got to get better too. Offensive line's got to get better. Those three areas have to improve. And some of the concerns, I think, with Keaton Slovis maybe reared its ugly face again tonight. There was a lot of, you know, kumbaya, everything is amazing in fall camp, and he was great in that setting. He was. But I always kind of looked at it from what does it look like in the games? And tonight it wasn't that great. There was no threats downfield. BYU only had two big plays through the air, and both of which were less than 20 yards. Just wasn't a great night in the passing game. BYU was without two of their top receivers, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps. Talked about those two guys a couple weeks ago on the Cougar Tracks podcast. Epps was dealing with a hamstring that had him sidelined during you know, a handful of fall camp practices. Keanu Hill was banged up. Both guys tried to give it a go and warmed up. Keanu Hill played a little bit, but Epps was a complete scratch. Didn't play it down. It didn't play at all. And I don't know if that changes much of anything. Those two guys being in the game, I don't think it turns BYU's fortunes into a 28-0 game. The loss of Puka Nakua was magnified again tonight. Puka was on the sidelines watching the game, and you go, BYU needs a guy like Puka. A guy that when he touches it, something special is going to happen. You got a little bit of a sense of that with LJ Marin, that maybe he could do something big when he touched the rock, but they don't have that guy right now, apparently. At least after one week. You can only go based off the games. You know, there, there's been stuff happening in the practices, and we got a small sample size of that, but when you don't show the full thing, we can only go off a certain limited sample size. We got to focus more on what transpires in games, and that's ultimately the bottom line result of how people's salaries, people's NIL deals are determined. It's by games and how you play in those. And early returns, not great. But at the end of the day, you'd rather be in BYU situation than say Texas Tech, then say Baylor, getting embarrassed at home by Texas State, losing on the road at Wyoming. Better to learn after a you know hard-fought win that was harder than you expected than learn after a loss. But don't also say that the playbook was kind of hidden a little bit from the future opponents. I don't buy that. I, I just, I do not buy that narrative. That was something that was said in 2017 and that was a that was a farce. That was not accurate at all. So Aaron Roderick's got to go to his next move and the lack of a running quarterback I think showed some of the limitations at times with the BYU offense. Now, I say that, and it was the night where Keaton Slovis had both touchdowns on the ground. First two rushing touchdowns in his college career, but you're not turning to that well. Keaton Slovis is not going to be running the football. In fact, I was stunned he ran as much as he did 
I'm thinking, what is going on there? You risk that guy. How does the season change? Again, some of the decision-making was was puzzling. And that's where Roderick has to adjust and kind of get things dialed in and kind of identify the right personnel that he's going to turn to and the guys that they can trust moving forward. And, And the nice thing about this season, you want to build up and you want to peak in October and November. It's not about peaking in September. You don't have to win them all to get a decent bowl game. You want to peak in conference season. You're going to beat Southern Utah next week. I know Southern Utah had a close call against Arizona State. You're still going to find a way to win that game, I believe. Even though SUU's got a better quarterback than what Sam Houston had, still think you're going to win that game. Arizona State was terrible. BYU's got better talent than ASU. Arkansas, maybe that's a loss. You want to get better to the point where you go into week four against Kansas. You're a team that starts to get a little bit of chemistry, get a little bit of continuity and some confidence again for that offense. Jay Hill's defense is playing confident. Good on them to have the luxury to go into the locker room and say, hey, we won the game. That wasn't happening last year. Last year it was a case of the unspoken word of the elephant in the room of, You guys basically lost the game for us. But we're a team. We're not giving up on each other. Different role reversal here. And they learn through this with a win. Kalani Satake said there were some long faces in the locker room. It sounded eerily like 2017 Portland State. I'm not going to lie. Sam Houston much better than Portland State. They're not going to go winless like the Vikings did that year. But... I couldn't help but think of the similarities. I just couldn't. And it it definitely... Definitely crossed my mind. I'm sure it crossed the minds of some Cougar fans out there as well, too. Very impressed with Tyler Batty, Ben Bywater. Some of the veteran defensive players performed quite well. Ryan Rico... Played outstanding. Probably deserves the game ball for how he played. And because of all of his punts, it highlighted the new gunner, Marcus McKenzie. Number change on the evening. He'd switched to number 32, and he was outstanding. I mean, there were some punts where McKenzie was right there at the return man the moment he caught it. Marcus McKenzie's got elite speed. And he showed that tonight. There's a reason Jay Hill's so high on him. He's going to be a good football player for BYU. That speed is impressive. He's one of the fastest players probably of all time to come through BYU. He's legit. You know, him and Evan Johnson have incredible 100 times or 100 meter times. Evan Johnson, I think, was a 10 4. Coming out of high school, Marcus McKenzie, 10-5 range, legit speed. And it translates with the pads, too, with Marcus McKenzie. So that was a nice little nugget that kind of emerged on Saturday night. But the highlights were few and far between for BYU. It was a gritty game. I think the Cougar fans were kind of restless with how they 
the team perform to the point where Connor Pay in the third quarter is kind of trying to quiet him down to say, hey, don't boo, please. It's a weird night. Not the ceremonial Big 12 lid lifter that you wanted to have. But you still come away 1-0. You got to get better going into week two. Very intrigued, though, to see how BYU responds for next week. Is this a similar output against Southern Utah? That'd be pretty bad. Or is it going to be a complete 180 and they dominate? Interesting game. They'll win. But there's a lot more questions than it feels like answers coming out of the first game for the BYU football team this season. After week one. Some other news and notes from the game. A lot of personnel out to the side, not suited up, wearing their jerseys, but likely red shirt candidates. I always find that kind of interesting at the beginning of the season because it gives you a, a peek into where some guys are being viewed. Most notable, probably Siali Acera. He wasn't suited up, wasn't on the depth chart this week. So you, you kind of the guys that aren't on the depth chart, strong candidates to not play this season or at a minimum play four games. But the thing is, is that which games do you suddenly trot out the freshman guys? You used to have that in the back half of the seasons when you were an independent. You don't have that when you're playing Oklahoma in November who put up a 70-piece on a terrible Arkansas State team. So you would have thought the opportunities would have been Sam Houston. You would have thought the opportunities are going to be Southern Utah. There's still the chance for that. But that's a missed opportunity by BYU to not you know, capitalize and give some of the younger guys a chance to get a few snaps and utilize that four-game redshirt opportunity. Cialia Serra, though, was one that was sidelined. Uh, there was a lot of Caden uh, Chidester, Jake Hill, again, a lot of preferred walk-ons, a lot of true freshmen that came back from missions. There was a few gray shirt guys that are around, just the sideline. Saw former BYU kicker Jake Oldroyd. Jake Caressa was there. A lot of people down on those sidelines. The media is not allowed to go on the field anymore. That's another uh, new rule that's continued for consecutive seasons. Kind of a bummer. Always enjoyed going down on the field in pregame, but that's no longer allowed, apparently. Coming out of COVID, the grounds crew is not allowing that no more to go onto the field at BYU games. I think that's going to do it for this post-game drive home for me. Hope all of you enjoyed it. It's a little bit more efficient for me. I'm around Point of the Mountain right now as I start to wrap this up, getting into Salt Lake County, keeping me awake. It's late. i got to get to bed. First and 12, going to start up, though, at 10 a.m., on KSL News Radio, KSL Sports Zone. Make sure to listen to that, and I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks Podcast, and it's powered by kslsports.com.